that try to enhance our mood. There's a plethora of good smelling products out there on the market today, uh, even for your car. The next picture there, Patty. Car jar. We got a car jar. There's Febreze. You know, and just go around your room and everything will smell a lot better than it did before. We really want things to smell good even if they don't. I mean, we're, just, we're just kind of hiding things, aren't we? We're just kind of masking the odor for a little while. Because tomorrow you got to go back and spray a little more Febreze. You know, next month you got to buy a new air freshener for your car. That one wore out and that's it. Well, basically, because you're in there all the time. <laughs> and restaurants work really hard. And they spend thousands and thousands of dollars for uh, ambience. And they, they want to uh, have this experience for you. Let me get this mic down here. I'll just move up here. And they spend all this money because they want to be able to share with you uh, an experience so that you'll come back. They want the experience to be so powerful and so rich uh, that you say, I think I'll go back for some more of that. And it's artificial. It's really artificial. It didn't change your life. Uh, it didn't, didn't improve anything. But for a moment, you forgot what is going on. And you enjoy those moments. Many people use mood-altering drugs, we call them, like alcohol or some other drug of choice. And, and what they're really doing is they're numbing themselves for a little while so they forget their troubles. So they don't have to think about it. And they, it, it is kind of perceived and sold as, as a fix, as a solution. It's really not. It's just masking things. It's just numbing them so that for a while they forget and then they have to go back. And often when they go back, it's worse than before because of what they did to numb the effects of, of their lives. True peace is difficult to find. True peace is scarce. We all want it. We all want to believe that it's possible. But sometimes peace is very hard to achieve, isn't it? A lot of people want peace, but they don't want to do what they have to do to get the peace. And they want peace with other people, but they really don't want to do what they have to do in order to achieve that peace with other people, which means they have to make the first step. They, they have to be the person to extend their hand. They have to be the person that says, I forgive you, or I am sorry for what I did to you. And, and so we, we live in these unresolved problems and situations and relationships for a long, long time, and we carry around a lot of resentment, a lot of grudges, a lot of baggage we don't need to carry around because we don't want to be the first one. You make the first step, and then once I see your heart, then I'll, I'll open up too. So we want peace, but we're not so sure we want to do what's required for peace. Notice the title of today's sermon, I Pursue Peace with God and Others. That's a big word, that word pursue there. Peace is a choice. Just as we've learned that love is a choice, joy is a choice. Those are the first two things that we talked about as fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5. This is the third one, peace. And it's a choice. It comes as a result of a deliberate choice that we make, the choice to let the Spirit of God work in our lives, to bear His fruit in our lives. That we would give up the control of God 
of, of our lives to the control of God, to the Spirit of God. And to actually get out of the way and let God change us from the inside out. And that, that takes something that's hard for us to come up with. That's humility. That takes selflessness when we are so filled with selfishness. And as we talk about pursuing, pursuing peace this morning... Look at some scriptures with me. Romans 14, 19. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Ephesians 4, 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Hebrews 12, 14. Make every effort to live at peace with everyone and to be holy. 2 Peter 3, 14. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him, that's peace with God. You know, this pursuing thing, it's going to take some effort. It's going to take some humility. It's going to take some selflessness. So how do we find personal peace with God and with other people and even with ourselves? Sometimes that's the hardest thing to achieve. Our primary text this week is found in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, where it says... Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now we've had quite a week, as I already alluded to at the beginning of the service, quite a week, quite a weekend. Began this week as a very busy week. We were gearing up for the health fair and... Uh, I probably had more things on my mind this week than just about any week of my life. Uh, Cindy Smith, whose uh, son-in-law just died yesterday, was a great coordinator for this. She was working a lot of things. Caleb and Monica Sano, they were, they were doing all kinds of things to get ready, and there were a bunch of other people doing things, but these people were the coordinators, and they were almost hour by hour communicating with each other. Did you think about this? Did you think about that? Did anybody cover this? Did you do that? And it, it was just rapid fire through the whole week. It was... It was really exhausting, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and so it got to Friday night, and all these people from New Hope showed up and wanted to be part of setting up. And then Saturday, all these people from New Hope showed up. And it was really gratifying. It was really, really exciting to see so many people join in this effort. And then it was even more gratifying to see God bring so many people to us from the community. For the first time we held one of these, we thought, maybe we'll have 20, maybe we'll have 50. Maybe we'll have over 100. And God brought us about 120, 130 people yesterday. And it was an amazing, amazing day. And as the health fair started, we were so excited to see everybody working so well together. In fact, you know, I got, I got thinking about partway through it. He says, I, I, I have never, I, I can never remember a moment when I was more proud of this church, to be part of this church, than I was yesterday. To see how God was working in so many people's lives and working through them to touch someone else's life. And, and it was amazing. And then, about halfway through the day, we got news that Frank and Cindy's son-in-law had been seriously injured. It's dirt biking accident. Been camping and dirt biking, and uh, something went wrong. I, we, we don't know the details yet. And so Melissa, his wife, who was here working with Dr. Baroni that she works with all the time, they're telling people about colon cancer and colon health and everything. She suddenly, you know, is just thrown into that turmoil. Her father, who is running another station on hand washing here, 
uh, it's Frank Smith, says, let's go. Cindy feels like she's still responsible for things, and we don't know how serious really the injury is. They'll run up to Maryland two hours away. She'll stay here and keep you know, soldiering on with the health fair. And then word came about an hour later that things were much more serious than maybe we even imagined. And he couldn't breathe. He was at the hospital, and they, they were just struggling to keep him alive. And so we quickly had prayer, both the earlier time and the later time. And, and the second time, a bunch of people gathered around Cindy, and we, we prayed, and we, we hugged her, and we held her hands, and we, we talked with her, you know, just get your peace from God and, and put your confidence in God. We prayed for a miracle. We prayed that God would heal Andy, and, and he would survive this accident, whatever it was. And uh, then Tracy and Jackie said, we'll run you to Maryland. And they jumped in the car with Cindy. They drove her two hours away. Um, and when they arrived there, they discovered that Andy had passed. And so about 5 o'clock or a little after, I got this text message saying that's what they learned. Shocking. I uh, shared that with some of the leaders. And one of them said, this is, this is horrible. There's no other word, you know, to describe this when things like this happen. And so when we got the word out to everyone else in prayer chain, what had happened, I asked them to read this scripture, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, and then to hear what had happened. Because I wanted the truth of this word from God to get out to everyone. I wanted it to, to sink into our hearts, into our minds, and our spirits, and, and let us know that if we put up our prayers and petitions and our thanksgivings to God that the peace of God would transcend all understanding and, and go beyond, you know, even to those areas where we don't understand. We, we, we can't even imagine why, but it happens. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I thank my brother, Chris Livermore, uh, for some valuable insights about personal peace. I want to give him credit for some of the main points today, and, and I just want to kind of piggyback on those and uh, change it a little bit here. But I want to share with you some things that were, were given to my heart about this passage, and I hope it will be helpful to you. Do you have peace today? That's the question. Do you have peace? Are you at peace with God? Are you at peace with other people? Are you at peace even with yourself? Before we can have peace, we need to ask ourselves some things. Why, why don't we have peace? You know, What is it that we've lost? Why, why do we typically lose our peace? Well, we lose our peace sometimes when circumstances are uncontrollable. We've got one of those in front of us now. There's much of our life uh, that, that we can control. There's much of our life that we can't. And when we get out of control, we get frustrated. Sometimes it's little things like getting stuck in traffic and, you know, peace goes right out the window. Sometimes it's big things. Tragedy strikes. There's nothing you can do about that. All night, you know, I'm thinking... I want to be up there with Frank and Cindy two hours away, but there are other things that need to happen, need to uh, occur. And I can't be for them what God can be for them anyhow. So you know, don't, don't have this Messiah complex that the preacher has to be there kind of thing. 
But this, you know, it's the thought of our mind that, that we want to do something. We want to change it. We want to make it better for someone, and we can't. It's when it's out of control. And when those circumstances happen, peace is difficult to hang on to. When problems are unexplainable, you know, if I went there, what would I say? I don't know. I'd just be there. And I'd just sit beside him, like somebody sat beside us when we lost a child. He didn't say anything. He just sat there for hours with us. And, and that comfort. You know, the service that Tracy and Jackie performed to take Cindy up there and just be with them, you know, for a couple of hours there before they came home is a tremendous thing. Not knowing what to say, what to do, just to be there. Because problems are unexplainable sometimes. You don't have an answer. We prayed for a miracle and God chose not to give that miracle. We're going to live with that. We're going to accept that. And we're going to see what good God brings out of this in spite of the tragedy that occurred. Sometimes we lose our peace when people are uncooperative. I'll call it that. It's much worse than that. That's a nice way of saying it. <laughs> when people frustrate us and when people anger us, when they wear us down and wear us out, well, we can't seem to make any headway with them, you know, and we're working and working and and they're just totally resistant to that. That's when we lose our peace. We lose the patience. Another word we're going to speak about in a few weeks. And when the good that we try to do for somebody is thrown back in our faces if we did something wrong. You know, we, that's when we lose our peace. And we understand that peace of mind is a choice. And it comes from three important decisions that we can make. Three choices. And when we choose these things, it will produce peace in our lives. They are the choice of acceptance, the choice of trust, and the choice of surrender. To have peace in your life, you need to accept what you cannot change. First of all, you know, worrying isn't going to change it. You may feel like you're doing something. You feel like, hey, you know, I'm really working on this now. No, you're just worrying about it. You're not changing anything. And, and what you need to do is accept the fact that some things you cannot change. If you become resentful, you become bitter about what cannot be changed, it will certainly not give you peace. If you feel guilty about things that cannot be changed, that's not going to give you peace. If you have self-pity over things that cannot be changed in your life, you know, and you're going to this pity party, and going to this, this funk about how your life is going, that's not going to give you peace. There's one thing that will bring you peace, and that's acceptance. Accept what you cannot change. In the Bible, in 2 Samuel 12, uh, we read the story of David. David uh, and Bathsheba are losing a child. Their child is dying. And it's coming as a result of Nathan the prophet coming in and telling them, this is God's judgment on what has happened here. This is what, the result. This is a consequence. It's going to come from what you've done. And David still, even though he's told that the child's going to die, he goes on his face before the Lord and he prays day and night for days before God. And he's just praying constantly uh, that God would relent, that God would change his mind on that. And his, his advisors and his servants, you know, are you know, worrying about the king. King's not eating, he's not sleeping, he's not bathing, he's not taking care of himself. He's just groveling on the floor before God asking for this child's life. And then the child dies. And they're all whispering, you know, how are we going to tell him? Look, look at the shape he's in now. How are we going to tell him? And David hears him whispering, and he said, 
has a child died and they have to acknowledge, yes, he has. And immediately David got up. He took a bath. He put on fresh clothes. He sat down and he ate his first meal in days. And they're all like, um, can you explain that? <laughs> you explain just what happened? And it, I, I, we don't get this. We were worried about your mental state. We were worried about what was going to happen. And now the child's died. You suddenly turn the corner. And he said, he answers them. Basically, he said, my child has died. I can't do anything more about it. He's gone to be with God. Someday we'll be reunited. That's basically what he says. Someday we'll see each other. But until then, you know, I'm king. I've got, I've got things to do. I've got a life to live. And he has this remarkable change. And he realizes, remember, that the reason it's all happened is because of his own sin. And what God was doing was much greater than this, this small part of the picture. He was restoring David's heart, bringing David back to him to be the king that he had been before this terrible sin. And David finishes out then his kingship and his honoring God with the rest of his life and sets off Solomon as the next king the rest of that story. You see, David had to accept what he couldn't change. And when he did, peace came into his life. The Apostle Paul knew about this. You know, he's arrested by the authorities. He's eventually taken to Rome. He's being held in prison. He expects execution at the hands of Nero, the emperor at the time. And it's a very, very dark time of circumstances in his life. And yet, during this prison experience, he, re he writes the book of Philippians, which is the greatest treatise on joy you've ever found in scripture joy and peace are mentioned here over and over again by a guy who's being held in prison expecting to be executed for his faith in christ i want to show you what he says in philippians 4 11 through 13 he says i'm not saying this you know that you know where i am physically what i need because i'm in need for i've learned to be content whatever the circumstances I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. That's where Paul was living. And that's why there was joy. That's why there was peace in his life. Acceptance is a choice. Accepting what you cannot change. Acceptance is an act of humility because you can't change that. And you put yourself in God's hands, the only one who could. We accept where we are and what uh, we have once we are able to trust God. And peace comes. Secondly, we need to trust in God's loving care. Uh, there's there's a history here, you know. There there's there's a a pattern here. There's a record, an account of all of God's faithfulness, and peace comes when we take that record and we develop trust in God. Isaiah twenty six three says, "You will keep in perfect peace uh, those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you." Now, you're going to keep us in peace when we put our trust in you. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, which are, we teach our children sometimes. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your path straight. So, you know, put the trust over in God and peace comes. Life is full of problems. We all know that. 
I'm, I'm not a pessimist to say that. In fact, I'm probably the most optimistic person you ever meet. But life is full of problems. Tragedy comes. You know, losses occur. Heartache befalls us sometimes. And you're not going to go through this life without problems. If you have no problems, you're not, you're not alive anymore. And Jesus acknowledged this. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. But that's not all he said. He said, don't forget this. I have overcome the world, so take heart. I have overcome that world. And those troubles can't touch you. They can't touch your eternity. They can't touch your relationship with God. And you can have peace with God when you trust in God's love. We live in a sinful world. A world is so easily uh, uh, one where we get ourselves into trouble. You know, you can be going along so well. Even, even you know, this, this increase and you're getting stronger and you're developing and you're maturing. And then suddenly you hit this snag. You just left yourself a little bit open and Satan came in there again and there you go. You messed up. This has been true ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. And they opened kind of the Pandora's box, so to speak. I'm getting two different stories together, but you understand. They opened up a whole world of horrible uh, possibilities. They opened up the world of disease and, and injury and death and destruction of not only a, a, you know, of a life, but lives together, you know, relationships. So much of the, the trouble that came is not what God intended, but the possibility was there. And that possibility was opened up when Adam and Eve sinned. And this sinful nature came upon all of us who are their descendants. We are born with a sinful nature that pushes us towards sin. But thank God, through Jesus, we now have the power to say no to sin and to say yes to God. Couldn't do that before. But we still struggle when we don't say yes to God. Because we are prone to say no or, or, or yes to sin. And God gave us the way to overcome sin. And that way is Jesus. And beyond that, there's another reason that we struggle here is we have an enemy. Very real enemy. His name is Satan. And he wants to mess with us any way that he can. He wants to mess with your mind. He wants to mess with your family. He wants to mess with your health. He wants to mess with your finances. All those relationships that you have in your life. If he can get in there and stir anything up and break anything down, he will do that so that your peace can be robbed from you. And if you especially are a follower of Christ, and if you're trying to do the right things for God, then you become his opponent. And he works very hard to make your life difficult because you and I are the sworn enemies of the devil. So you've got kind of the whole world and a sinful nature working against this, and you have a personal enemy who is trying to steal your peace. Why do you deal with that? Well, you put your hopes in God. You trust in a loving God who knows all of that and has provided an answer, provided the overcoming part of that equation, and he can make your life what it needs to be. Most of us respond to the uncontrollable, the unexplainable, unchangeable situations of this life with two responses. One of them is, I'll just work harder. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat this. And some of you have that, that in you, that, that resolve, that aggression, um, that assertiveness 
You can state it very positively too. That says, I'm not going to give in to this. I'm just going to win. I'm going to defeat this. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, I'm going to do this. And some people respond that way. And that's the wrong response if we're talking about these issues. Because now you're trying to stay in control. Now you're trying to be the one that provides the solution to something you can't change. You've got to weigh that carefully. Some things you can fight for and you must fight for. Some things you have to say, I can't win this one on my own. Other people don't respond that way. They just run. Or they just hide. Or they just give up. No way. And they, they, don't, they don't tap into what they could do in their life either because they're so defeated. They're so discouraged. They're so depressed. And they are missing out on, on something that, that they have been given. They have been given power through Jesus Christ to answer this and to have peace in their lives. And they surrender too easily. And they're, again, trying to just do it on their own. It's, it's like a different level of control, isn't it? I'm going to control my emotions, at least, by giving up. And what Jesus wants us to do is put our trust in him. Both of those responses are foolish. We need to take a third step then in the path to peace. We need to surrender to God's loving control. The reason that you're in turmoil, the reason that you have such much anxiety, the reason that you have so much tension in your mind or in your home or, or you know, whatever your battle you're fighting here is that you're actually battling with God for control of your life. You think you know better. I'm speaking from experience. I'm not, you know, this is not hypothetical stuff. Every day you wake up and you have a decision to make. Who's going to be in charge of your life? Is it going to be you or is it going to be God? And if you have this mountain of problems or you have this perplexing problem in your life that just controlling everything, who's going to deal with that? Who's going to answer that? Who's going to be in control of your life? And what happens is um, we hang on to control and now we're at war with God, the very one who could solve the whole thing. It's, it, you know, it's, it's kind of the most foolish mistake we could make. The Bible notes how foolish and unproductive this is to try and play God. In Romans 8, 6 it says, The mind that is governed by the flesh is death. You're trying to control things with your flesh. Control your mind, control your actions, control your circumstances. The only answer for that, the only result is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. It's a big change. It's a choice. It's a decision that has to be made to surrender to God's loving control. So those are the alternatives, either death or life and peace. Which do you want? Who's going to be in charge? Now, I don't know if you've thought this through or not, but when you fight with God... You're not going to win. <laughs> and there may be some really tough times yet ahead until he gets his message through to you. You're not going to win this. In fact, it's not good if I let you win this. That's how God looks at it. You, you want to be in charge. You want to be in control. You want to solve all this stuff. You go ahead. You'll be back. You'll be back. I remember when I was a kid that Muhammad Ali was the heavyweight boxing champion of the world. 
He was all the time going around saying, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest. Remember that? Dancing around, I'm the greatest thing that ever lived. You know, it's like, is that guy full of pride or what? You know, this is, this is awful. But I also remember a scene just a few years ago at the Olympics when they took Muhammad Ali with his Parkinson's up to light the torch. Remember that? When he climbed the stairs, great difficulty, and with this palsied hand, lit the torch. He could barely light that torch from the shaking of his body. And later in an interview, I read that God, he said, God gave me that experience so that I could always remember, I'm not the greatest. He is. He got it. He finally got it. And that's a pretty good attitude. That's the right attitude. Surrender to God's love and control. So if you fight with God, you're going to lose. And he loves you too much to let you win. So figure it out now. The evidence is this. The evidence of a surrendered life to know that you have peace is, is obedience. <laughs> you know, you want peace in your life? Then obey God. Do what he says. Listen to God. Put your hope in God. Put your trust in God. And when God says do it, we need to just do it. We may not understand. We may, may not uh, have everybody else's support. The world may say, man, that's, that's foolish. Don't do that. It's a much better idea than that. We just have to listen to God. We have to obey God. And if it says in God's word to do something, whether it makes sense to me, then I'm going to do it. <laughs> because if God says it, it's right. So this morning, um, where are we? We're in circumstances out of our control, aren't we? Absolutely. Can't do anything about Andy's death. It happened. We can't do anything about the tragedies that some of us heard about yesterday in people's lives beyond that. That their life situation is in turmoil. We know people otherwise in the congregation going through horrendous things right now. That's where we are. We can't control that. But we can surrender to God. And we can have His peace. As we close this morning, I just want all of you to know, if you don't know, that God loves you. Loves you deeply. He loves you with the greatest love you'll ever discover anywhere. And God knows what you're going through. He's not, he's not blind to that. He's not unsympathetic to that. But he has higher purposes, nobler purposes. And this is a fallen world. Someday it won't be. Someday everything will be made new. But for this period of time, it's going to be like this. How do you get through it? How do you have peace? You find it in God. That's, that's it. the bottom line. Simple. Would you pray with me, please? If it's on your heart to have peace, let me kind of offer up a prayer that maybe you can say in your own mind. Dear Father, you know how I've resented the problems in my life. And you know how I've resisted the things that have caused me pain that I can't change. And you know that I've asked you many times for an explanation that has never come. Today, I want to stop fighting you over things I don't understand. And forgive me. I want to begin the path of personal peace. So I ask you for help. Help me to change the things I can. But help me also to accept the things 
that cannot be changed. Help me, Jesus, to trust in your loving care when things don't make sense. Help me to remember that you are a good God and that you have my best interest at heart. And today I want to stop the war and make an unconditional surrender of all my life to your loving care and control. So please give me your strength and your wisdom and your peace. Fill me with your peace, Lord, through Jesus Christ. Amen.